everyone now has some technology in their home and my ability remotely to understand from your technology in the home what is going on with you, that is really kind of the next phase of how telehealth is going to evolve. Hello, this is Rob Hoyle, and thank you for tuning in to Northwell Health's 20-Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest minds in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. I'm alongside my co-host, Chris Kazuski and our special guest, Dr. Zenobia Brown. Dr. Brown is Vice President and Medical Director for Northwell's Population Health. Dr. Brown, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Today we'll focus on the rise of telemedicine and whether it can replace primary care moving forward. It's an important question because when federal government opened the floodgates and signed an executive order to reimburse for those visits, everyone jumped in. There are now telehealth-specific companies where they only provide virtual care, which may be beneficial to some, but not in treating the entire patient. What are your thoughts, Dr. Brown? Will telehealth eventually replace primary care? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We, f- we first have to think about what is primary care. Um, and primary care is really about connecting people to those preventive services and also getting them treated for the diseases that they have. And when we talk about telehealth, that's just a tool to do that function of primary care. So what we've learned is that there's a spectrum of what you need in primary care. And some of that stuff can happen through telehealth very successfully, but some of it you really need to be right there with your doctor. So the human touch would never go away. Yeah, and, and we're actually seeing that here more recently, which is we had a huge spike in telehealth during COVID for all the right reasons, which is you're trying to get the care you need when you need it um, at a time when you're trying to actually avoid going into practices. And now as hospitals have become extremely safe, as practices have become extremely safe, patients are going right back to the offices. Um, so we're seeing those patients who have been I won't say getting by, but getting their care remotely, now really reaching out and saying, I need a touch point where my doctor's listening to my heart, where my doctor's listening to my lungs, where we're really having this conversation about what are those preventive services I need. And then, of course, those preventive services, you got to do those in person, right? So if we're talking about colonoscopies, we're talking about mammograms, we're talking about flu shots, those are things that happen with another person. And I think that's important considering where we are in the pandemic. You know, you're always going to have to go into the doctor's office for your flu shot, other vaccines and other services that you just mentioned. Dr. Brown, how can we, how can telemedicine go beyond direct clinical care? And what other virtual tools is Northwell using to prepare for a potential second wave of COVID? Yeah. So one of the really important things about sort of what's happened with telehealth here is that as we go into this sort of flu season and potentially another COVID resurgence, telehealth is giving us a tool to handle those things that we really didn't have in the beginning of COVID, right? And that was on both sides of the equation. You know, patients, they had never done this before. So everything they needed to learn in terms of how do I start a telehealth visit? How do I download the apps I need? You know, how do I even hold this camera? Does my computer have a camera? So the whole sort of population has really learned, even our oldest patients, how do I use technology to do this? And now we have a provider network that has been really plugged into how do I operationalize doing telehealth visits with my patients? How do I optimize that interaction? So everything from, you know, hold the camera down your throat and say, ah, so I can take a look at your tonsils here um, to, hey, can you just, you know, I want to see that sort of spot or that lump. 
can you hold your camera this way? Or, you know, bring your daughter into the room so we can have a family conversation about this. So I think, you know, going into flu and potentially a next wave of COVID, we now are sort of experts on how to use the technology. And that is going to be, you know, incredibly helpful as we potentially get into this next wave. Also, interestingly, and and we will see, nobody knows. One of the things we're finding is that all of these sort of preventive or responsive uh, things that we've put into place to decrease COVID transmission are kind of decreasing flu. These things run in packs, right? So it's all about how many other people are you around? Are you sort of wearing a mask? Are you distancing? Are you washing your hands? So it, it's, a sim- it's a corollary, which is primary care has learned many lessons from COVID that are going to now help us as we get into the next wave of sort of infectious illnesses. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, how the wearing the masks and now we're so much more vigilant with washing our hands and hand sanitizing. I'm wondering, had we been doing this earlier, like when we, not all the time, but like when we go to a, a shopping mall or to a supermarket, would we have in the past been reducing our possibilities of getting common cold or, or other sicknesses? Absolutely. And we're seeing that internationally, right? We have bellwether countries that give us an indication of sort of how bad of a flu season we're going to see. And what we're seeing is that because we think of these different things, all of the, all of those rates are much lower than we would have expected. So, and that, that, and again, I I don't want to overstate it, but we learn that in these PCP practices too, right? It's like, oh, why wouldn't we have always been sort of distancing folks who came in with a fever or checking with people before they came into the office to make sure that they weren't sick? And and now, whether you're sick with flu or you're sick with COVID or you're sick with just, you know, norovirus or any number of things, primary care practices have adapted to make sure and EDs and hospitals to make sure that we're not spreading infection, no matter what that is. So in many ways, we're coming out of this in a much more informed, action-oriented place to keep people safe and healthy. So these are real good lessons learned that will impact care moving forward. That's right. Um, so t- talk a little bit about the the challenges that we faced onboarding, not just people onto telehealth, but also physicians. It certainly was a learning experience for them as well. Absolutely. And, and what's so, I mean, just amazing about this, and it's absolutely cliched, but you say sort of these crises create opportunities. Um, it's very hard to kind of break it, no matter what field you're in, you have a sense that we do things a certain way, and this is the best way to do them. And I think for that reason, it becomes hard to adopt technology. Doctors are very diligent and worried, you know, am I going to have a good interaction with my patient if they're not right in front of me? And it's hard to make that leap if you think a patient outcome is in the balance. And what this forced us to do is say, well, the alternative is no good, which is we can't have them come into the practice and we can't have them have nothing. So we have to adopt the technology. So a little bit of a a burning platform or a forcing function of COVID, which then as the providers got onto these platforms and used them, recognized the power of them in terms of the ease for the patient, their um, adherence to the appointments, their purported benefits, meaning them saying, hey, this was a great visit. This was super convenient to me. I was so glad that I didn't need to come in. And really, I feel that I got 100% of what I needed. So that reinforcement to the primary care doc um, really is the, and their validation, you know what, 
the outcomes are good. The patients are getting what they need at the time that they need it. Doesn't replace because what we because now that the practices are open, the docs want to see their patients. The patients want to see their docs. They do need that in person kind of relationship. Um, so I, I think it's it, we're talking about a new phase of healthcare where we are going to match up what we do for the patient to what they need when they need it, as opposed to a one size fits all. Right. So there's going to be a balance of when you do need to come into the doctor's office for those types of exams that you need that physical touch, whether it's a shot or a mammogram, like you said. And there's the times where you maybe don't need to go all the way to the doctor's office and do this. So just explain to us, because my, my first thought was telemedicine is that my doctor's just looking at me and that's all. But what other services can be provided through that virtual visit? Yeah, I mean, it. at the end of the day, what we understand is about 80% of what we're going to learn about what is ailing you or what you need is just coming from talking to you. And probably when you talk to patients, that's the number one thing they like, right? Which is I sat down with my doc. They really listened to what I was saying was wrong with me. They really responded to that thing. And then about 20% is I put my stethoscope on you and I listen to sort of, you know, your heart, your lungs, and then I, you know, do diagnosis based on that. And then there's another we're over 100% now, but there's another percentage, which is I send you for diagnostic testing, and then I use that information. Um, so a couple of things through telehealth. So when we talk about that third thing, which is I can, through the telehealth visit, say, okay, I'm going to send a lab company to your house to draw blood right now. I'm going to send someone to your home to do a COVID test um, so that we can have a continuum of diagnoses, even though I can't sort of be there with you in person. And then the next sort of phase of that is, you know, what we call Bluetooth or wearables or patient-generated data, um, which is everyone now has some technology in their home and my ability remotely to understand from your technology in the home what is going on with you. That is really kind of the next phase of how telehealth is going to evolve. Yeah, I think all of this pretty much stems from that trusted partnership between patient and clinician. With my oldest son, he had a spot on his arm during the height of the pandemic here in New York. And, you know, we use telehealth and I don't think I would be able to sit him down if it wasn't for anybody but his pediatrician. It worked really, really well. It was super fast. And I got a, di I got, you know, a diagnosis and a treatment plan right away. Um, you know, but and now we're going to take it even a step further, as you mentioned, with the wearable technology to continue that ongoing conversation and I guess the uh, the clinician would be able to see the blips in the radar, even if the, the patient doesn't. T tell us a little bit about that and, and how that's going to be useful moving forward. Yeah, and it, it really is an evolution. So now we're into that next phase, which is how am I understanding what is happening with you medically when you're not right in front of me? And that's where we get into what we call sort of wearable devices, which are things that just are on your body. Fitbits is an example of that, which is, you know, you wear one of these watches or an Apple watch, which says, here's what my heart rate is. Here's how much I'm sleeping. But there are, these things have become very sophisticated and can tell you blood pressure, you know, um, what we call rhythms, which is like if you're having sort of rapid heart rates and things, temperature, um, a little bit more sophisticated um, data around your movement and whether decreases or increases in your movement can indicate that you're getting ill. Um, so how we then use that information in a trusted relationship to help you maintain wellness or 
if you're getting ill, take care of you at home. That is really the next sort of level of, of how we are going to leverage, you know, what we call telehealth um, in the future. It's almost a little bit scary, like the big brother part of it. But when you think about a lot of the statistics that you hear about stroke victims, brain aneurysms, that like there's a small window when something goes wrong for you to seek treatment for your life to be saved. So now if your watch or your wearable device can trigger something that you don't know, but maybe alerts your doctor where your doctor might say, you know what, this doesn't look right. I'd like you to go to the emergency room. This could be life-saving. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we're already in, you know, many pilots in Northwell in the using these kind of technologies, specifically in patients who have have had cardiothoracic surgery, um, so that we can be looking for signs of arrhythmias or looking for signs that people are going into heart failure. So oxygen saturation levels, for example. So when people's oxygen levels go down, and having that information, so we can even try to anticipate before they need to go to the ED and say, hey, you're kind of going off track here. What do we need to do to keep you from really decompensating? And then that's, that's really where, that's really where we want to be is, is preventing sort of any kind of human suffering. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're going to have your health buffs who already have these devices and they're using them every day, but from a primary care perspective, it could be part of the diagnosis. You can say, hey, you had a, you had a blip on your EKG, why don't you check out this device and then we can monitor you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it gets back to this whole idea of there is not a one size fits all, right? There are people who are wanting to take their health to the next level and really use all of these tools. And people are like, you know what? I'm really fine. That once a year annual wellness, that is, I'm, I'm pretty well. I know I work out. I know I eat right. I don't need someone to be knowing what my heart rate is every day. And, and we have to make space for all of that. Um, because people are looking for those kinds of services. Yeah, it really is funny. My wife, sometimes I'll say to her in the morning, I'll say, hey, honey, how did you sleep last night? And she goes, I don't know. Let me check my watch. Oh, my God, I got a great score. <laughs> I had a great night's sleep. And I'm like, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, decreases in activity for me just means I was on vacation. <laughs> right, you know. But, I mean, look, we'd, we do this health challenge. We do the steps. And I force myself to make my steps because I want to do that. And just really, in my mind, it's competitive. But I know that it's healthy for me. It's good for my body to be walking, you know, 7,000 steps a day. 20,000 steps a day. Well, yes. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> Dr. Brown just outed you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Busted. Uh, but, I mean, look if your doctor is not going to catch something, but your wearable device catches it because you're not at your doctor's office when it happens, that could be a big deal. You know, you bring up a really important point because it, it, it is this thing of from your watch, you're getting some information. You're getting a data point. Um, and I just want to come back to something you said before about just the relationship with your provider. And, and it also has to do with telehealth because there are many companies out there who are doing sort of pop-up telehealth services, which is, I just need this one thing. I'm going to do a telehealth visit with someone, and then it's, it's a go. And part of what primary care is is around this relationship of, I knew you before this thing happened, so I understand what you looked like you know, a month ago, six weeks ago, two years ago, 20 years ago. And we are in a relationship where I understand, yeah, there was, you know, 10 pounds ago and you started walking and your heart rate was this. And now this new information is coming in and the ability to put that new 
whether it's telehealth, whether it's a wearable device, or whether it's just you're coming into the office and giving me information to connect that to the rest of your history, you know, there is no doctor who would deny that that is the best way to really evaluate what's going on with someone. And also for patients who are just, you know, we don't joke, but sort of say people will look up WebMD and just sort of like they know what they have. And, and oftentimes it's, it's a very helpful tool for them to educate themselves. But taken in isolation can make people quite anxious that they have diseases that they don't have. Um, similarly with the watch or any other kind of wearable device, it becomes about how do I interpret the fact that my resting heart rate in the morning is now 50 when it used to be 90? What does that actually mean? And, you know, that's that getting a good answer to that is kind of based on that primary care relationship. So it, it is really important to have have someone, a provider in your life that that can help you sort through some of that information. Um, so, again, we talk about telehealth and, and I'm a big proponent because I think it helps. It's a tool to get patients closer to their doctors, but it just does not replace the relationship in primary care. Let's keep the momentum here. We're going to move to what we call knee-jerk reactions, to where we're going to say a couple of phrases. I want your immediate reaction to what, we, what we're going to ask you. So this is the scariest part. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the lightning round here. Yeah, lightning round. Here we go. Um, Can I so, phone a friend? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, no, you don't have time to phone a friend. <laughs> um, so to kick it off, uh, telehealth reducing cost. Remains to be seen. Um, I think in the broader context, yes, meaning when we talk about total cost of care. So will telehealth do things that prevent people from getting sicker in the long run? Absolutely, I think that that's going to be the case. Is it possible that because telehealth is so easy to get that people might do more PCP visits and we might spend more money there. I think that that is also possible, but I think that's good. I think it's better to spend money on preventive care and primary care versus what we call total cost of care, which would be hospitalizations, nursing home visits, those kinds of costs that really reflect that patients have decompensated. Okay, next phrase, patient experience. I think that this has, telehealth has really pushed us to understand that patients are going to need and want different things at different times. Sometimes they're going to want telehealth. Sometimes they're going to want to see somebody. Sometimes they're going to want to do everything online and just, I'm going to do a wearable, let me know if I'm okay. You know, I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> um, and what I love about sort of the evolution of healthcare right now is that we are, we're getting to that place. Primary care. So, you know, heart, can you just say heart? <laughs> I heart primary care. Primary care is about connecting people to wellness um, in a very complicated healthcare system. So, you know, it, it just, it has been vital, it remains vital, and the more tools that we can sort of use to support primary care, the better. You know, we always like to end on a positive note. So Dr. Brown, with the rise of telehealth and a strong primary care outlook, why should people inside healthcare be optimistic? Yeah, you know, so part of that is what we have talked about today is COVID has shown us how good we can get at different things. The hospitals have never been safer, right? They have never been safer for patients. All of the things that in retrospect, we're like, hey, we, we could have been doing this the whole time. And now COVID has forced us to be better than we even thought we could be. 
And that's sort of true across healthcare. And I think that's going to be true across a lot of industries. It's pushing um, industries to do things in innovative ways, um, imaginative ways. And I think there are going to be a lot of learnings, um, and especially in healthcare, around how we can emerge from this a better healthcare system than, than we could have imagined. Dr. Brown, we thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for everybody out there, I'm Rob Hoyle, Chris Kazuski, and Dr. Brown. Have a great day and stay safe. Get more expert insights from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.